Good morning. Good morning. Man, I just want to say, I don't know, you wake up and you just feel appreciative some mornings. I just want to let you know how happy I am to be here, uh, specifically just with each one of you, how much I love you and and care for you deeply. Uh, I'm just, I mean, my whole desire, um, and maybe that's why God called me to mission, but my whole desire is just to help you be able to grow in Christ. I mean, it, it literally is uh, the reason why God has sent me and has called me. And I just am happy to be with you this morning. Well, I want to jump right in. We're, we're moving along in Exodus. We're finally at a place where, where God is about to do the miraculous and, and, and not necessarily the miraculous that you want to see. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure this is the God any of us want to experience, you know, the one where God is our enemy. However, the grace of God is also at work here. And, and before I ruin the end of this sermon, before I even begin, let's just jump straight to our Bibles. If you've got them, you, you want to be in Exodus chapter 8. I'll give you a few minutes to get there. Grab your Bibles, Exodus chapter 8. We'll begin right in verse 1. All right, all right. If we're there, say amen. Good, good, good. Let's read. Then the Lord said to Moses, go in to Pharaoh and say to him, thus saith the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will plague all your country with frogs. The Nile shall swarm with frogs that shall come up to your house and into your bedroom and on your bed and into the houses of your servants and your people and into your ovens and your kneading bowls. The frogs shall come up on you and on your people and all your servants. And the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, Stretch out your hand with the, your staff over the rivers, over the canals, and over the pools, and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. But the magicians did the same by their secret arts and made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron said, Plead with the Lord to take away the frogs from me and my people, and I will let the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, be pleased to command me when I am to plead for you and for your servants and for your people that the frogs be cut off from you and your houses and be left only in the Nile. And he said, tomorrow, Moses said, be it as you say, so that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. The frogs shall go away from you and your houses and your servants and your people. They shall be, only, they shall be left only in the Nile. And so Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh and cried to the Lord about the frogs as he had agreed with Pharaoh, and the Lord did according to the word of Moses. The frogs died out in the houses, the courtyards, and the fields. They gathered them together in heaps, and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was a respite, he hardened his heart and would not listen to them, as, as the Lord has said. Let's pray real quick before we move any Father, Father, we just uh, we would ask that you would take your word this morning and you would just begin to anoint it, uh, Lord, for uh, the teaching of your people, God, that you would use this uh, uh, moment in, in your story, God, uh, your interaction with your people, God, uh, Lord, as a way to teach us and grow us and help us remember you, who you are and your character, Father. Uh, Lord, may we always look to you in these in these things, God. And uh, Lord, help us grow so that we might help others grow as well. And we give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, everybody says amen, amen. Well, from snakes 
to bloody water, and now to frogs, the magicians have matched gods one for one, right? Ever, however, listen, however, this time it's it's a little it's a bit much for Pharaoh, right? The Bible uses the word plead to describe Pharaoh's approach, uh, how he approached Moses and Aaron to take the frogs away. They and they agree to do so, and, and I quote them here so that you may know that there is no one like our God. Oh, isn't that important? I mean, God is revealing himself in this very moment to the world stage, and it's not just to Pharaoh, but to the Egyptian and Jewish and any other races that might be found in Egypt at this moment. This moment is unprecedented. It will be, and we know this, right? We can armchair quarterback this. It will never be repeated again. And how is he received? He is received with a hardened heart. The word hardened here in the Hebrew is different from the former words used for hardened up to this point. At, at this particular scripture, the word hardened means to make dull, unresponsive. Uh, it's described as a form of stubborn self-righteousness. And this is important because this is what happens during a moment of respite. Now, now there's a word that we don't use that much anymore, respite. It means a, a moment of relief. Uh, let me see if I can't describe it like uh, this to see if I can bring this down really to our, our level. In the beginning of my faith, I, I found myself many times in, in desperate need of, of God, right? I, I would say, Lord, if you can help me with this financial burden, Lord, if you could just help me with my job and a raise, Lord, if you could just uh, not let my, my car break down, Lord, if you could just make my life easier. And I would pray all, all sorts of prayers like this. If, if it was really bad, I might even attend church more, right? Be more active in the things around church as if that was kind of a, a trade-off, so to speak. The hardship that I was experiencing would bring me to my knees, right? Hardship would cause me to pursue God. It would place me in the position to see God as the one who could answer my prayers. However, and here is where if, if, if the heart isn't right, begins to twist things. I, I would do what God wanted me to do up until the moment I got what I wanted and my life would go back to being easy. That translated into not praying, not reading my Bible, not going to church, not tithing, at least not until I was faced with more hardship. There wasn't a resolve to worship God or to be obedient to God. It was simply selfish. I was using God as I needed him. I was taking advantage of his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness and love. The sad thing is I'm not the only one. This is the practice of a lot of people. They enjoy the grace of God and they like to stretch it as far as they can. Their faith is up and down. When times are good, they have no need for God and you see it in their life. You can tell because they only come around when life is difficult. And like Pharaoh, in a moment of respite, they return. For Pharaoh, this you know this is considered only the second plague out of 10, guys. Pharaoh gets plenty of chances to turn and repent. And let's be honest, so do we. And how much more now that Jesus has come, right? The Bible reeks of this truth. 
It isn't until Job is stripped of everything that he can see his own pride. In Luke 15, the Bible records the story of the prodigal son, and, and you know the story about a young man that isn't able to come to his senses until everything is stripped from him. Paul had to be knocked off his horse. It's all just part of the process, right? So so what, what is our job during this time of stripping away and God dealing with his people? Well, that's easy. First of all, we are to pray for others to come into salvation knowledge and be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the will of God. In Acts 26, Paul described the call of God to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place amongst those who are sanctified by faith in me. To the Romans, he wrote, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Peter explained it as the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, some count slowness, but is actually patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God treats everyone equally. He is holding out for everyone. He extends grace to everyone. The end hasn't come because the Bible said God wants all to have heard, everyone to have heard the gospel, even the pharaohs of this world. You know why the wicked prosper? Because God gives grace to all. None deserve it, right? That's, that's the truth, right? The only difference between us and the lost is that now we live in the knowledge of God's grace. And because we are spiritually awakened, not by our own intellect, the Bible says, but by the grace of God, we can now shape our lives in grace. He also expects it from you too, right? In Luke chapter six appears what many call the golden rule. As you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. God has called us to treat all people, both those that are lost and those that are saved, the same. We are to offer them grace and mercy and even patience, which is to say we are to really love them. And that's, that's really hard, right? Especially when it's so frustrating to watch someone who is in and out of their faith. They are in when it's tough, right? Which is, which is great. But when times are good, they are scarce. They don't come around. They, they won't come to church. We, and we know the cycle because why? We're, well, we're human too, right? Which is why we are to live as an example in the faith. Matthew 5, 13 through 15 reads, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall, it be, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown and trampled under people's feet. Jesus says, you're the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. So real quick, at this conference I was at this, this week on leadership, I heard this scripture come up and it was so good. The comment was that salt is only good when it's applied. So he referred to salt as making an impact and that light since it illuminates everything around it was influence so good right well we were to impact that where god has placed us at and we are to influence everyone around this we do this by living our faith out in front of people this is how we perform being salt and light we are the salt of our community 
God has placed us here so that when the time is right, we are able to make an impact. We are the light of our community and God has placed us here so that we might influence our community towards Christ. I love that uh, concept, right? I, I also, listen, I love the words of Haman. Remember the, the bad guy of the book of Esther, right? He said, there is a certain people scattered abroad, right? Like salt and dispersed amongst the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from those of every other people and they do not keep the king's laws. Listen, guys, our ability to live our life of faith in Christ before the world makes, uh, uh, makes us uh, illuminating causing us to impact our culture by sheerly living in it. I mean, isn't that awesome? Lastly, there were 10 plagues. And each time Pharaoh's heart grew heavier and harder to the point that eventually he condemns himself to his own torment and punishment. I once heard a preacher say that the more we hear the gospel and not embrace it, rather ignore it, the harder and more calloused our heart becomes to it eventually to the point of not hearing it at all. It reminds me of the last book uh, from C.S. Lewis on the, the Chronicles of Narnia where these uh, characters in the book are sitting around and they're enjoying a meal and laughing and, and it seems uh, nice of friendship thing, but the world is on fire and burning and dying and judgment has come. And one of the girls right next to Aslan, which is supposed to be the lion or the, the epitome of Jesus, is begging, why can't they hear you telling them that the world is ending? And he goes, man, they've long since quit listening to me that they don't hear me anymore. And uh, if that isn't a picture of a hard heart, I don't know what is. And I think it's dangerous ground. We must make sure that we express that anytime we have young converts among us that we haven't fully committed their lives to the obedience of Christ. Listen, we listen. it's important that we be honest about our walk. <laughs> it's important we be honest about our walk, that it's, it's important that we have to bring up these ideas and these subjects because if we're not, they get this false sense of security about how easy it is to follow the Christian life, and it's not, right? There needs to be this fear of the Lord, right? Proverbs 28, 14, blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. God desires relationship with us. He, he wants us to walk with him. That's our mission, to help others do this also, right? This is what, uh, you know, when we talk about return is, this is what the return is. It is a work of helping people turn back from sin, turn back from pride, turn back from lackadaisical Christianity and to help them walk with God. Isaiah 45, 22, turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth for I am God and there is no other. The word turn here in the Aramaic means to turn back or to look back. The very first word we're given that Jesus spoke in his ministry is found in Mark is repent, which is Greek, in, uh, which in the Greek is interpreted to withdraw or turn one's soul from sin, right? This is the job of Moses. This is the story of Exodus. And guys, it's our story too. God is trying to use the circumstances of the world and where we're at to bring us back to him. We're right in the middle of a return, but the whole uh, nation of Christians that we have amongst us is struggling. And so are we. And that's who we need to be praying for this morning. We pray for the world, yes, 
But like Jesus in John 17, we pray for those whom God has given us, that God might save them also. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word this morning, God. We thank you, Lord, for the things you are doing in our church, in our city, in our nation, God, Father, and amongst this group of believers, Father. We pray that you would continue to uh, build us up, Lord, in the faith, God, that we would stand strong upon you, that we would not uh, uh, do the works, God, and, and not have the love and passion and, and other things we need, God, to follow you, Father. We don't want to be like the churches in the end times, God, where you have this one thing against us. Lord, may you have nothing against us, God, uh, and for anything that you might have, Lord. Father, help us to uh, find our way out. In Jesus' name, and everyone, it says amen, amen. Guys, I pray you have a good morning. Uh, God loves you, and so does Pastor Jim. I love you too, guys. Bye-bye.